Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Eating smoke, one man's descent into crystal meth psychosis in Hong Kong's triad heartland by Chris Thrall. Prologue. In 2004, I worked in a mental health unit. People often asked, how can you stand it with all those nutters? I'd quote from the textbook. It's a misunderstood condition affecting one in four people at some stage in their lives. I never told the real reason. I worried knowledge might confuse them. You see, in 1996, I went mad. Now, this isn't necessarily as bad as it sounds. The UK has plenty of systems in place to help people throw wobblers. Doctors, medicines, hospital not to mention incapacity support, and God. Unfortunately, these comforts were in short supply for me. Therefore, I must warn you, if your mind is planning on playing an away game, taking a sabbatical, or simply fucking off, don't for Christ's sake let it do it whilst working as a nightclub doorman in Wan Chai, Hong Kong's triad gangland district. Chapter 1. The Man in the Mirror I stared into the largest shard of blood-splashed glass. Do I know you? You've never known him at all. Sitting on the filthy concrete, I convulsed occasionally and whimpered like a sick dog. I hadn't slept for days, the crystal meth pulsing through my veins, denying all refuge from the madness enveloping me. Now the anger had passed, I found myself suspended in a ghostly calm, trying to piece together a life as fragmented as the mirror I'd smashed. I needed to make sense of what happened and put a stop to the voice. I leant forward, slowly, to examine the claw marks in my scalp and a haunted face I hardly recognised. Is this me? The only thing familiar was the eyes, now bloodshot and yellow, with pupils raging deep and menacing. Would these black abysses dilate further, triumphing over the turquoise rings around them, heralding the madness that claimed my soul? I was in my flat, the killing house, with its strange blood splats on the walls, not knowing whose blood it was or how it got there. The voice had named it that, after the Special Air Service's anti-terrorist training house at Hereford Camp back in England. I'd seen it in the film Who Dares Wins, and on a visit to the base during my own military career. In my mind, people suffered a terrible death up here. The top floor apartment of a decaying tenement in a rundown part of Wan Chai. As a mosquito whined in the glow of an underrated bulb, the sound of cats wailing, dogs barking, 
and the hustle of the street below hardly made its way up to the solitude of my smashed-up hovel. It may have been squalid, but I called it home. A humble abode by day, but one that came alive at night. A place I loved far more than the two-bedroom new build I owned in Plymouth. It was a flea pit with character, my very own piece of Hong Kong. Where's it all gone? I don't know. I don't know where. Memories of better days floated up out of the insanity, like bubbles of clarity rising to burst atop a glass of mad soda. Dining on top of the World Trade Centre with Dan as teenage marines on our first proper holiday. Windows on the world, they called that place, its lift shaking as it travelled up a hundred floors, already swaying in the downtown Manhattan breeze. The richness of gold, marble, glass and satin tablecloths, with lobster followed by strawberries and more of New York's awesome skyline. I chuckled as the elderly toilet attendant ran gold-plated taps and, with a respectful smile, handed me soap and a towel. Three days earlier we'd been lying, armed to the teeth and covered in shit in a ditch in the Belfast countryside. After our meal, the evening just got better. A limousine picked us up with the girls from Texas and we drank a load more champagne. Great night, huh? Yeah, a great night. I'd left the forces to run my own business in Hong Kong, or Hong Gong, to use the colony's rightful title, the Fragrant Harbour. But all that was bullshit now. I had to think about my family. Despite the difficulties over the years, they were always there for me. My friends too. My real friends, not the superficial ones struggling to understand themselves in this ego-fueled city. There was no, no way I was going home though. A failure with a bankrupt dream? How could I do that? None of them would recognise me anyway. They certainly wouldn't like the dump I lived in, the amount of drugs I took or that triads followed me home again the other, e the other morning. I knew they were tailing me, hardly surprising after the bizarre chain of events unfolding that night. An inch from rock bottom, I'd taken a job as doorman in Club Nemo. As with many nightclubs in Asia, although owned by a local businessman, the dominant crime syndicate organised the security, bar, prostitute, and drug deals. In Wan Chai, this was the 14K, the most ruthless brotherhood in existence. Paul Wang, a cross-eyed psychopath, invited me to work for them. He was the resident Dilo, or Big Brother, a middle-ranking triad who managed Nemo's and the mobsters who ran it. I was leaving the club the night they set me up. I hadn't been scared. Okay, a little, but I wasn't going to show these cowards that. I laughed at them, fucking gangsters with their expat cronies and weird secret hand signs. I was still laughing when glancing over my shoulder, I noticed a sleek black Mercedes stalking me slowly through the morning after litter adorning Jaffe Road. I was heading to the sanctuary of my flat, off my face on the meth I'd smoked the night before and looking forward to smoking some more. 
wondering if this would be another 24 hours clocked up without any sleep. As the terror took hold, I decided to give them a slip by scooting up a back alley, a dark stinking shortcut, crawling with fat rats thriving on scraps thrown out of restaurants. These dirt-matted mutants only scurried out the way so they could watch with contempt as you pass through their turf, jeering as stale water dripped down from antiquated air conditioners. I ducked into one of the dirt grey buildings and shot up the back stairs, heart pounding, breathing frenetic. After several attempts at smashing through the ageing exit door, I found myself out on the roof, desperate for a place to hide and fumbling in the leather pouch around my waist for the mini mag light and chain. Illumination I didn't need, only the blunt force the torch delivered when connecting with someone's head. I'd never had cause to use it in the club, at least not as a weapon. It had come in handy at the end of the night though, for scouring the disco's dirt cake floor for any drugs or valuables the customers dropped. A trick I learnt from Daisu, the violent hand assassin. They may be coming for me with meat cleavers, a triad's prerogative, but it wouldn't faze me. Not much does when you're a mental ex-marine flying high on ice. I would do my utmost to fuck them up. There are no Queensby rules in Wan Chai. Still, a hiding place might prove worthwhile. Scanning around, I spied a recess set into the roof like some kind of utility shaft. I grabbed the rusting ladder, but only got a foot on the rung before slipping, falling headlong into the darkness and, oof, landing on some god-awful mess below. Something broke my fall, but it was far from pleasant. I felt hair and cold-hardened flesh and smelt a stench uh, that would have been unbearable in anything less than a crisis. It wasn't just rancid, dead and decomposing. It was human. My mind flashing back to a corpse I'd stumbled upon on a riverbank in Cairo. The next thing I knew, the maglite was on. And because this was Hong Kong, where situations can always get worse, I believed what I saw. I don't know if it's a mother and her baby or a woman and a baby, nor what she'd done or why. What I did know was she'd been hacked to pieces as a result. Her face, what was left of it, still contorted with fear, as if she'd realised death was imminent, grimaced, and after the chopper sliced from crown to ear, her features stayed that way. I wondered if the victim's tormentor locked her arms and legs off before or after that fatal blow, as they now lay awkwardly against her torso. The little boy was on his back, draped across her midriff, eyes gently closed and mouth slightly ajar, as if in peaceful sleep. His tiny belly wasn't so composed. Through a single slash, a rainbow of entrails spilled onto the woman's emaciated chest, time and bodily fluid welding them together. I tried to back into a corner but could barely move my own limbs. Bodies or no bodies, I would lie low until the danger passed. Although meth had stolen it all, I still respected myself and could sit in the darkness next to two corpses and say, fuck them, fuck them all. The Chinese have an expression, life is meat. 
explaining how the country can lose a hundred people in a coal mining accident, hide it from the world and carry on the next day. Business as usual. Well, I have my own saying as I listen to my heartbeat in overdrive. Meat is life. Besides, waiting shit out in adverse conditions is what the Royal Marines do best. Lying up all night in an am position in, in the Arctic has that effect on you. I could wait. I could wait as long as necessary. I awoke on the Hawaiian pattern mattress covering my rickety bamboo bunk. The one I'd built to make use of the room space I didn't have. Cold in the tropical heat, ravenous and shivering with exhaustion, I gathered my thoughts. It slowly dawned it was dark and I should have been back at work by now. I checked the Casio G-Shop. Shit. It had gone 10pm. I was over two hours late. Along with pawning my treasured Swiss watch, it was another reason to feel crap. I threw off the rough blanket lying across my midriff and eased my legs over the edge of the bed, hopping the five-foot drop to land unsteady on my feet. In amongst the junk littering my gone-to-pot attempt at tatami flooring was a crumpled page from a yellowing newspaper. As I shoved a Marlboro between my lips and set it alight, an aerial photograph caught my eye. It was a brick construction set into the roof of one of the colony's tower blocks. Filling the recess, as well as my attention, was the picture's focus. It looked as though someone had created a grotesque Piat Picasso using real people. Although in reality, the woman and baby had been hacked to death in signature triad revenge. An eerie deja vu spread through every cell in my body. Like a banshee's wail building to a crescendo that chilled and electrified my being. Frantically, I scanned for a date on the newspaper. 15th of May, 1995. It was three days before I arrived in Hong Kong. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.